Welcome back to Jukebox Vertigo. I'm your current host, Keith, and we are so excited to be back with you all. For those who've never joined us before, Jukebox Vertigo is a show all about music. Normally, we would be building a playlist with our friends based around a specific category. But today, we're debuting a new format for Jukebox Vertigo calling Jukebox Vertigo On Tour. For the On Tour sessions, we'll be taking a subject related to the musical world and discussing it in depth with our usual panelists and some special guests. I will point out that our usual host, Josue, is not with us. He's currently on hiatus. However, I hope to have him back very, very soon because he has some real strong opinions and I really want to know what he thinks about some of these. But for now, I will be the one running the conversation with these special guests. I will introduce them. But first, let's talk about the subject of our episode today. This week, I have posited the following thought and questions. The 1980s. Definitely a polarizing decade in general, but specifically for music. It is my experience that the music of the 80s is considered to be the worst in modern history by many people. So we're here to ask, what do you think of the music of the 80s, and do you think that judgment is fair? And the first guest joining me today is a very familiar face to the jukebox Vertigo following. Everybody, please welcome Manda. Hey, it's me. I'm back. I'm excited to be back. I am too. I miss I, we, we, we had that music at the beginning. And I was like, ah, oh, I miss that so much. So, <laughs> yeah. so as we launch Amanda, first thoughts, what do you think of the music 80s? And do you think that judgment is fair? So I think that it's kind of bizarre to say that any decade is the worst in music. Um, that's just so much within 10 years. So much happens. Um, I can understand why maybe the top 40s are things that people kind of look down on for the 80s. It is polarizing, but I think that it says a lot that the 80s have kind of come back in modern music in in a big way. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I personally, I don't have any strong feelings for or against the 80s more than I do for any other decade. Thanks. Okay. And also joining us this week is an occasional guest panelist and the voice of the youth, JD. I'm here. Once again, you can't escape me. (laughs) So, uh, JD, what do you think of the music of the 80s? And do you think that judgment is fair? Uh, I deeply love the music of the 80s. Um, As someone who grew up in Texas and grew up on country music, 80s country is actually a huge part of who I am and what I grew up on. And then branching out from that, I uh, when when I would get into other musical genres, the '80s was kind of like an anchor point. It was like, and, and then I would branch off from there. Um, so I say, so that assessment, I say, fuck no, absolutely not. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I'm going to share my own experience really quick. Uh, so I'm the oldest one here, and one of the things with growing up, uh, where I grew up, but also when I grew up, is there was a lot of people down on the '80s. Uh, it wasn't considered to be like on the level of the 70s with with the great classic rock of the 70s. And we were in the middle of the grunge movement in the 90s. So it felt like a lull, especially for people in Iraq. Um, so there was a negative perception of this. And I've heard it most of my life, which I always think is really interesting. As I grew up, as I got older, I really started to enjoy the music of the 80s more and more to the point that I'd lean towards it more than a lot of other music sometimes. So I thought it was a really interesting place to start. Um, so let's start talking about the music of the eighties where this perception comes from. 
Um, again, we are JD is younger than me, so we are talking two different generations. So you might have a completely different experience than I do. So I think this is going to be very interesting. Manda is a similar age to me, but Manda also had a very different upbringing. So I think it's a good panel to kind of discuss this. Now, when people think about the '80s, the first thing I think most people think of would be the pop of the '80s, the top forty, as Manda said. And there are a lot of artists that really jump out at you. Um, Pick behind the curtain. Me and Manda are addicted to Sporkle, the quiz site. <laughs> and uh, we recently got addicted to like the top songs of the 1990s quizzes and stuff like that. And as we did the 1980s ones, I'm like, I know all these. <laughs> like, Why do I know all of these? Um, and I think the big thing with the, with the pop of the 80s, and Amanda, I'll, I'll go to you, is that it's cheesy. It's lame is the idea. And I, my thing is, is like, A, so, and B, that's what makes it great. Am I, am I off on that? Or what do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, yes and no. Like, there's a lot of pop that comes out of the 80s. There's a lot of, like, variety in what charted at that time. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's definitely some really cheesy, especially, like, the one-hit wonders, I feel, there were a lot of like, and it's like the new wave, right? It's like the new wave pop. that's kind of cheesy. Um, but that being said, like there's never been anything like that early new wave pop. It's, right. it's very unique to the eighties. And so like, I think that that kind of says something for it by itself. Just the fact that it hasn't really come around again until it's reiterated on. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's songs like, uh, what do I think of when I think of the 80s pop music? Karma Chameleon. <laughs> right song. Physical. One, like, one, yeah, one, one I know you are a big fan of, George yeah. Michael. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the Corey Hart song, Sunglasses at Night. Like, amazing. Love it. But yeah, they're, they're a little bit silly, I guess. But so is a lot of pop music from any which way. I don't know. Um I think, yeah, there's some cheesiness to be found, but I don't think that it's bad. I think that it's very good. <laughs> let me uh, let me ask you this as a follow-up, and then, uh, JD, I, I want to get your opinion on this after she does as well. The 80s is when we also started getting music videos. Yeah. Do, do you think that had an impact on the opinion of music? Like, maybe like the... This is just pure thought on my part, but maybe like music snobs are like, it's not real music. That's just a video, you know, like maybe that was made to make a video for like, you know, uh, like aha, take on me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like that. Do you think that might've had an impact on it? That's just me spitballing. It popped in my head. I mean, yeah, maybe. Um, I'm sure that looking back at eighties music videos now, a lot of them don't hold up. So they probably seem really cheesy and hokey. Um, I think that a, a weird thing that kind of plays into it as well as eighties fashion 80s fashion was just very loud, very bright, very, um, uh, what's the word, like hodgepodge, like very yeah. things that don't quite match sort of thing. Um, and I think that that kind of looks cheesy to us now as well. So like there's elements of the 80s that, that of fashion and music that we've kind of like brought back into the um, lexicon of modern pop culture, but um, yeah, I could see how looking back, it looks very hokey. So that could that could lead to the impression that the music's cheesy. Yeah. Uh, so JD, 
both the music video question, but also I want your impression of like is because I know you're not as much of a pop guy. You're you're definitely here for your metal opinion, especially. <laughs> but like, what's your pr- perspective of like '80s pop? We're talking again, your Karma Chameleons, but you know your um, George Michael, your David Bowie, even who is amazing. We're not going to get into how amazing he is today. <laughs> Um, or my personal favorite 80s song, Everybody Wants to Rule the World for Tears for Fears. What's your perspective on that? And then, yeah, do you have an opinion on the music video thing? Because you're young enough, you've lived in a world where music videos just exist. So I'm curious to see your perspective. So music history is uh, a fascinating thing for me. Uh, I and, and like to answer the pop question, I really really love 80s pop music i hear the drums from like drums from 80s pop songs and i'm like fuck yeah this is my jam immediately <laughs> um like and, and I, I was honestly surprised two name like three actually three names that didn't that didn't come up before uh i like when i think of 80s pop i think immediately of madonna mm-hmm. i think of paula abdul i think of whitney houston yep uh, you know, like they're like you know, I I think of you know to borrow the term from Pitch Perfect, I think of the ladies of the eighties, you know, and, <laughs> and 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 I I love that. And uh, you mentioning uh, "Take on Me" by Aha. Weirdly enough, Aha is one of those groups that I like got kind of obsessed with uh, because I was just like, there's like there's more to th- than than just that song because "Take on Me" like destroyed my brain and, and rebuilt it uh it's a gorgeous song 100%. and 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 then the op- and that's the opening of their of their first album hunting high and low which has become one of my all-time favorite albums. like it's a like hunting high and low by aha is a top 10 album for me wow okay uh that 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 tells you how my brain works <laughs> uh that like i i put that album on the same level as Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John and Kesha's Rainbow. Like I like they are like they are all together in the same space with me. Right. Um, so I I really I really love 80s pop music um, because as I've gotten older, I've given less and less of a shit about uh <laughs> about like the perceive like the persona of pop music and the, like the perceive like the like people's preconceived notion of like what quote unquote real music is um i don't give a fuck it sounds good it makes me feel good or it makes me it makes me feel anything that's not just apathy uh perfect like here we go i'm i'm into it uh and and that in like the, the pop music of the 80s that gets my body moving and i'm and i'm here for it. It, it i feel the same way about that as i feel about like the early 2000s pop boom uh you know spearheaded by britney yeah. And I feel the same way about the, you know, the 2010s pop boom that we are like kind of feeling the aftershocks of. The so like, Gaga, like that in, in, in moving into like Charlie XCX and Dua Lipa and uh, Tovlo. Uh, and of course, like Taylor Swift and Beyonce, like up yeah. there as like the Queens right now, uh, you know, and, and, and like, dro- like dropping and like Taylor Swift over here taking like taking back ownership of her of her music and of her recordings and re-releasing albums. Like I, I, I'm fascinated by pop music and I'm fascinated, especially by the eighties and, 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 and what they, what it produced. And then to answer the music video question, you're right. I, I did grow up. Like I grew up again, country music. So there's, there is a country music, uh, like 
channel station. It's called CMT, Country Music Television, and they would constantly play uh, country music videos. So I grew up with that. And then, you know, as I got and then as I got older, I would see different videos uh, from different genres. And honestly, I, I love I love 80s pop pop videos because uh, they're either they're bizarre or they're gorgeous or they're and they're and they're well chore, chore, they have well choreographed dance moves um, like remind like, you know, reminding me of how we you know lose our shit over K-pop videos now. Uh, like we were losing our shit back in the late eighties. Uh, I say we, as if I was there, but we were losing <laughs> our shit back in the eighties, uh, over like, you know, uh, uh, Paul, Paula Abdul videos. Cause they were insane at the time. Yeah. It's funny. Cause when you mentioned well choreographed, the first thing that popped in my head was addicted to love by Robert Palmer, which is just them <laughs> swaying back and forth. I don't know why yes! that popped in my head. Very funny yes! <laughs> or, and, and this is in the eighties, but this is, this still grew out of the eighties Vogue by Madonna. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, a couple others I just want to quickly mention before, before we jump ahead a little bit. Duran uh, Duran, if you've ever listened to I, this show, you know I, I, I for some Durand reason, Durand. forgot to mention them. Like, the video for Girls on Film is wild. Yeah. I Rio is one of my favorite songs, and I hate that it's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> <laughs> like, How could you? It's a beautiful song. Because for a long time, I was, and we're going to talk about why, but I was told not to like things like Duran Duran. And... <laughs> I actually, there was a joke on a Jukebox Vertigo episode where I had to come out of the closet as a Duran Duran fan, <laughs> <laughs> like which was way harder than coming out as bisexual, let me tell you. Uh, so um, I had to mention that one. And Summer of 69 by Brian Adams is mm-hmm. just the best. Like, I love it so much. Um, but OK, so let's talk about this, because I, there's a theory I have and I want to go ahead and see what you guys think of it. Um, we know that before the 80s was also disco and disco was looked way down upon by a lot of people and we originally as a society thought oh it's bad music but with the gift of hindsight we've realized disco was looked down on because it was a black and b Mm -hmm. gay and society basically demonized the disco movement because it's black and gay and it's easy to demonize people that way um i think I'd mentioned that pop, the pop of the eighties is weird. I think it's also pretty gay. And I mean that Mm -hmm. in a good way, because to be honest, from my personal experience of later in life coming out as bisexual and coming to grips with who I am, I realize I love so many eighties songs and I fought it for so long because of the perception of gay. And now that I'm totally fine with being bisexual, I'm like, yes, Duran Duran kicks ass. Yes, George Michael is gorgeous and an amazing artist. Like, I'm so much happier with like making these decisions now. So, do you think there is a, a like a homophobic slant to that, Amanda? I'll let you go first on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's pop music in general, um, and I think that it's fallen off as we've aged. <laughs> yeah, um, it is still wild to me to only be 36 years old, right? And have sexuality be something that can be comfortably discussed by a lot of people. Um, That was absolutely not, absolutely not when I was a child, when I was a teen, like we didn't Mm -hmm. know. Uh -uh. Same thing with mental health. Like that wasn't something that was discussed ever. So um, I think that you and I both grew up in an era where liking pop music was inherently girly. Um, And from my perspective, I didn't want to be 
just like every other girl. I didn't want to be like a super girly girl. So I stayed away from pop music while I was growing up. So that's, you know, the 80s and the 90s and even the early 2000s um, when I was in like high school. Um, Because I didn't want people to think that I was just like basic, right? Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, you know, as you grow up, you kind of learn to not give a shit about what other people think and good music is good music. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that there's, there's something kind of like inherently feminine that people perceive about pop music and about, especially the eighties with how loud things were and how, um, they blurred the lines of gender in in the way that a lot of pop artists dressed and a lot of pop artists kind of presented themselves. Yeah. Uh, JD, same thing. I, but yeah, everything that Manda just said, I fully agree with. Yeah, it's, and I, and unfortunately, that trend uh, of of bashing on pop because it was quote unquote gay, uh, it continued into the '90s. Like I, like when I think of it, I also think of like Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls. You know, like yeah. it was, it, like it, it, if you liked that, you were, you were lesser than for enjoying yeah. it. And like I look on it now, I'm like. Nah, the Spice Girls ruled. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the music's awesome. <laughs> I remember specifically Britney, right? Yes. Spears hit. And there was this really torn opinion amongst the men of my age where it was like, it's okay to like the way she looks. It's not okay to like her music. I'm like, what the fuck's that about? Like, I remember being really annoyed by that and just being like, just like her. And it's so funny that you look back on like a lot of those men that had a pin- that opinion my age will tell you that Toxic is such a great song. And I'm like, well, it it's is. So it's so fucking good. Song. So uh, I, I, I want to derail this really. I want to derail, derail this for like five seconds. But have y'all heard the uh, the mashup of the vocals of Toxic with the music of Changing the House of Flies by Deftones? No, I have not. I have not. It is, I am a okay. huge fan so, of mashups. So um, I believe stuff. I believe on on YouTube the video is just called "Toxic in the House of Flies," and basically they take the music of cha- of change, speed it up very slightly to match the uh, the tempo of the vocals for "Toxic," and it is wild. How well you know what? Okay, you know what it reminds me? Of? It reminds me of Spirit Box. Okay. Most people will love that. That's that's the vibe it, it gives now. Now that like now that I think about it right now, it gives the vibe of Spirit Box. Okay, uh, tangent over. I will send both. I will send <laughs> the link to you to to the two of you, and and you can uh you can bask in the glory of that mashup. Nice. Okay, so the next genre, and I'll I'll go to uh, JD first with this one, is the next thing I think people think of specifically when condemning the '80s music is hair metal. And mm. by hair metal, I mean the cheesy hair metal, the rock ballads, not like Metallica, who we'll talk about later, and Megadeth and stuff like that. What we're talking about is we're talking about Poison. We're talking about Motley Crue. We're talking about White Snake, you know, shit like that. We're talking about Winger. Winger. We're talking about Fucking Dangerous Winger. Toys. We're talking about Damn Yankees. Like, so. <laughs> we're talking about Kicks and Dockin'. <laughs> talking jesus christ um so you're talking about warren no you're okay here's the, you're you're speaking warren's my language great. right now warren's great okay so here's the thing right Warren rules <laughs> is hair metal bad like that's my first question to you for the most part no um 
there is a lot of it that I'm like, yeah, it, you, you can, you can argue it does sound quite similar. Um, but my God, poison, poison rules the crew, you know, uh, kind they rule. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times, uh, I listened to the greatest hits of Motley Crue when I was a child. Spoiler alert. It was a fuck ton. Uh, I, I know every word to, I'd say like fit, like half of Motley Crue's discography. Um, I used to have the debut album of winger on tape. Uh, that, that that's the oldest fashion thing you've ever said. <laughs> hey, look, I also used to have the sickness by disturbed on tape. I had the Jackie Brown soundtrack on tape. Uh, I love cassette tapes, man. I used to draw uh, two of my, two of the four cars that I've owned both had tape decks in them. And the last one, I last one uh, did not have a, I could not, I could only use CDs and cassette tapes. So I stocked up on that shit. And I also had to burn a lot of CDs. Um, so yeah, I, I love, I, I love hair metal. Um, think, Thank you, James Gunn, and thank you, Peacemaker, for, like, showing that, like, the recent, like, there is actually, like, recent hair metal that is rocking, that is just, that is foot stomping, that gets your blood pumping, that makes your body go, ooh, it makes you just, mm. yeah, that is my shit, you know, like, yeah. You, you you throw on, like, and to, to, to give a more recent example, you throw on, uh, do you want to taste it by wigwam and i'm like i'm i i i'm dry I, I don't care what i'm doing right now i am currently wearing a jean jacket i'm wearing a guns and roses t-shirt i have long curly hair i'm wearing aviators and i am driving down the highway in a 1976 corvette that is jet that is that is steaming red and i am living my life the way yeah. i need to uh thing, yeah hair metal rules one thing i think because I want to go to Amanda with the same question, but uh, you mentioned a bunch of bands. And one that I think is really interesting is I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. And a lot of oh, people tell you Def Leppard is not I am so mad that I didn't mention metal. Def Leppard. Yeah. A lot of people tell you Def Leppard's not hair metal. And I ask why, and they'll be like, they're good. Well, no, they're wrong. Def Leppard is hair metal. Um, they're and, metal, and but also, no, no, they're, they're hair metal and they're amazing. They're glam metal, so the, actually. And they're, so I'll say like, and I'll say, uh, here's the thing. I think glam metal and hair metal are like, Here's what I'll say. I, it, it's the square rectangle rule. Um, all hair metal, <laughs> like all hair metal, is glam metal, but not all glam metal is hair metal. Um, you know. So, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, like no, Def Leppard. And actually, speaking of Def Leppard, that gets into another thing that a lot of people hate about hair metal is the engineering of hair metal and the elect uh, the electricity of hair metal. And by electricity, I'm talking about the like literal drum machines used for hair metal and the precision production and engineering they would use in studios to record hair metal records. That's, that, that's something very important with genres of music, I think, is the leap of production level, is what yeah. causes a lot of genres to form. I have a very strong opinion about emo. The main driving force of emo was a leap in production level, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about in another episode. That's an episode we have. So Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, go go ahead. And let minute minute go because I, I I have another thing. But 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 I've been talking way too much. Let Amanda go. <laughs> it's okay. Amanda, hair metal. Um. So okay, here's the thing. Standing back and just looking at hair metal as a huge genre, it's not for me. 
I understand why it's appealing. I understand why it's like important to, um, you know, the progression of, of genres and et cetera. But to me, when I'm standing back and looking at it as a whole genre, all I hear is power chords. And I'm like, that's not for me, dude. It's not. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of individual songs I like and a lot of individual bands that maybe I'll listen to. Um, but yeah, like just as a whole, it was just never something I was a fan of. Um, and it was something that came up a lot when I played in a band, they always wanted to cover like hair metal songs and the bass is just not that exciting for me. Like it's not, it is what it is and it fits what they're trying to achieve in the sound, but it's not for me. It is definitely a, um, a front man and lead guitar, like featuring genre. I definitely see what you're saying as far as that goes. Like that's definitely the feature, you know. Um, like, na- like say- name name a famous uh, like hair metal drummer. Yeah, you got right. Tommy Lee. Dude from Death uh, Tommy Lee. Yeah, that's a great one. I didn't even think of Tommy Lee. So yeah, I, um, and then like, name name a bassist other than Nikki Six or Duff McKagan. Yeah. And I only know Duff McKagan because his name is hilarious. So <laughs> I do love Nikki Six. He's pretty boss. <laughs> um, so what I uh, the big thing with this is that I wanted to kind of like uh, talk about with Manda is I think Manda is like me in that she has a weakness for the hair metal ballads. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it's not exactly like you can we can discuss exactly when it came out because it's ninety one, but. More than words by extreme is an eighties hair ballad. I don't care what anyone says. And it's wait, incredible. no, oh, hold on a second. No, it's home sweet home. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Yay, home sweet home. <laughs> it's a good song, but more than words is the shit. So no, yeah. Um, I, I catch myself uh, singing that song a lot. <laughs> Uh, also, um, Mr. Big to be with you again, 92, but that's an 80s song. I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) So Um, actually talking about extreme, like, uh, the Bill and Ted's excellent adventure soundtrack is full of hair metal. Like that opens with extremes. Do you want to play? Yep. It's wild. So that's, that's kind of the stuff that, that I think gets critiqued the most is those two things. Um, and again, even if you take it on its on its face, I don't think that's a fair judgment. Um, we also get some amazing Elton John during this era. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, there's some pretty good Fleetwood Mac out there at this point. Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot of really great artists that really kind of like kept doing their thing through the 80s. Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Queen. Queen put out some pretty Oh my God, out. Queen. It's obviously not their best, but it's really good. Um, and then before I move on from the, the cheesiness of eighties, let's just give a moment of respect for erasure. A little respect yeah. is such a cheesy song, but it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I can't stand how much I love that song. So, um, okay. So, so that's the perception of eighties music that you mm-hmm. will see in a lot of culture, but I do want to talk about more about the, like the stuff that people don't really talk about, um, in the eighties that I think is, kind of like what leads to the 80s being mislabeled. Um, I do think the 80s specifically gets the end of the 70s classic rock run. And there's several of those songs that people just assume are from the 70s are actually from the 80s. So 
I think that's something to include, but not something I really want to jump into too much. Because oh man, about... actually, something I just that... remembered: Hall and Oates. <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a Hall and Oates theme with me and Mando that I don't want to get into <laughs> right now. Oh, uh, so. so Keith, do you want to know one of my favorite Hall and Oates facts? Sure. Um, so back in the eighties, there was a call line you could call. It was called the Hall and Oates hotline, uh, emergency hotline. And you call it and you, uh, could pick one of four Hall and Oates songs that would play automatically. And the fun part about that is that hotline is still active. <laughs> I have that number saved that. in my phone. <laughs> Why'd you tell me that? Uh, I'm going to send you the number and, uh, oh, no. and, and let you have fun with that. Okay, so let's talk about um, let's talk about the two the two things I think that are most hidden by the '80s that people don't talk about. Let's start with the hip hop of the '80s. Mm. The '80s birthed hip hop. That's where if you like rap, you owe the '80s. Period. And not only that, um, there's really good hip hop. Like people might think it's like oh the really early stuff, like the the stuff that you know some people might think is really cheesy. But like the breaks. Yeah, I'm just pulling up a couple. Like, here's a couple what I would call hip hop artists that are in the 80s putting out music legitimately Ice T, Public Enemy, Grandmaster Flash, LL Cool J, Slick Rick, Big Daddy Kane, uh, Beastie Boys were in the 80s, Easy E, yeah. Run DMC. Like, there's a Eric B and Rakim. Sugar Hill Gang, Sir Mix-a-Lot. I mean, if you're like yes. Sir Mix-a-Lot, that's your thing. But um, yeah. even, and this is not something a lot of people realize, Salt and Peppa started in the 80s. Yeah, they did. So, like, there's a lot of really good stuff there, and no one associates that with the 80s. So, I'd also like to throw another one out there, Africa Mambata. Yeah, 100%. So, Manda, we'll go to you first, because I know you're not the biggest hip-hop fan. Um, but uh, you obviously know bands, you know artists, you know, you respect them and such. And uh, for the for listeners, that's uh, Thor the dog, uh, <laughs> occasional co-host of the show in the background. Um, so what is there anything specific you want to say about hip hop in the 80s? Uh, again, I know you're not the, the most biggest fan of this, but I, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that if you're a fan of hip hop, you probably understand what an important time it was for hip hop. Right. But if you're not a big fan of hip hop, it kind of gets washed away um, because it wasn't in the mainstream quite yet. Um, what was in the mainstream was like MC Hammer and people are like, that's a joke. Um, so all of the kind of nwa kid and play like that all kinds of get kind of gets buried and i think just in the in the context of like somebody who's a casual music fan right somebody who doesn't dive into genres the way that we do that stuff just kind of gets buried in the 80s um but yeah i think that if you're a fan of hip-hop you probably understand and and really realize how important a decade it was yeah easily one of the most important hip-hop albums of all time is straight out of compton by nwa yeah that's 89 yeah. Like, and that holds up today. People like still say that's one of the best ever. So, um, they're one of the, they're link, uh, Rolling Stone called them one of the greatest artists of all time. They're in the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, NWA is like, <laughs> so like that's insane to me. So, uh, JD, hip hop in the 80s. We, you, you briefly jumped in there, but yeah, give me more what you think about it and like, specifically like is there anything else hidden that you might that we might not think of that really pops out to you 
I think we don't talk enough about how Ice-T started a metal band in the 80s, and that band is still around today. Shout out to Body Count. Uh, <laughs> like, look, so... Something like, every time you're on the show. <laughs> so, look, so here's the thing. Like, we always talk about uh, Fuck the Police as, right. as, 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 a, as an incredible protest anthem uh, of the 80s. Uh, we don't talk about... Uh, uh, I think it's, I believe it's called uh, Killer Cop, the the Body Count song uh, that Ice T right, put right. out, yeah, um, which got him in a lot of heat. Like like all like I would not say as much heat as NWA, just because Ice T was not was not as big, did not get as big as NWA did. He was huge. He was huge in the eighties and in the nineties, uh, but so so like he didn't get as like he didn't get like you know like the FBI heat that that nwa did um but like he started a fucking metal band like he was and like uh he's had like and and like that band has continued to this day like they were putting out records in the 90s they've put out uh like three records in the past five or six years um and and like make it a tradition of covering a well-known metal song on every album like they've covered slayer and motorhead and they rule um Riley Gale from Power Trip, rest in peace, uh, was on one of their best songs, Point the Finger. Uh, like to this day, Ice T still putting out protest anthems uh, that that rip, and that yeah. all started in the eighties. Yeah, I think um, I should also mention that because uh, I mentioned we we put a specific spotlight in NWA, but it's hard to state how much Public Enemy meant to hip hop too. And exactly. I think, I think they get missed out a little bit with NWA. NWA has more <laughs> of the spotlight, whereas like NWA are like the Beatles. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the the public enemies like the Rolling Stones. Like, yeah, they're there too. You know, but they're just as important as far as how the genre went. So, and also, really public enemy, pu- public enemy helped bridge like uh like in the mainstream helped bridge the gap between hip hop and rock music by doing Walk This Way with mm-hmm. Aerosmith. Right. That was later yeah. in the nineties. But still, yep, still really cool, yeah. Um, and also a great love, music video. Yeah, I love the hip hop of the '80s. Um, I do think I think um, Manda, you were the one that said like MC Hammer is what they what like mm-hmm. people think of. That's actually like the '90s. I don't think people get that. <laughs> like, oh like, yeah, I also had a cassette. Hey, the 90s. I had a cassette tape of MC, MC Hammer. Yeah, and Vanilla Ice and all that snow. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't talk about him. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, the, the things you were like, oh yeah, that was lame. No, that was the nineties, man. The eighties hip hop was hardcore. It was underground. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think the eighties hip hop does get underestimated. Um, now transitioning to the other one. And I know GD's really excited to talk about it. So he's going last on this one. Cause I know he's going to go. <laughs> a while. Um, let's talk about, we already talked about the hair metal of the eighties, but Probably the most underestimated, and Josue would 100% agree with me if he was here, is the actual heavy metal of the 80s. And I use heavy metal as a wide genre. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm just going to quickly list off some of the bands. I, I literally Googled heavy metal of the 80s. And here's some of the bands that came up for me. Metallica. Sabbath. Slayer. ACDC still around at that point. Um... Twisted Sister, Anthrax, fucking 
Ozzy's doing his solo shit. Man of War, Queensryche, Megadeth, Dio. I don't like Dio, but some people do. Um, hey, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. Running Games Dio is a fucking god, and you put respect on his name. We're going to have to have an episode where I shit on Dio while you guys all defend him. Uh, Halloween? Halloween is the 80s, too. Like, yeah, there's are. a lot of really crazy great, and a lot of them are still around, which is the crazy thing. Like, like oh, I'll, get, I'll, of, get like, into, I'll get into some who are still around, too. <laughs> yeah, so I really, uh, I I didn't realize how much I liked the heavy metal of the eighties until later on. And the two I intentionally did not say the names of because I still maintain when I think of heavy metal, when I think of like the best of the best and I think of like your typical like Beatles versus Rolling Stones conversation, the conversation in the eighties for me is Judas Priest versus Iron Maiden. They're both, I knew you were going to say that they're both so good. <laughs> The answer is Judas Priest, in case anyone's wondering, but still, like, they're both really good. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry you're wrong. <laughs> but anyway. sorry the answer is actually Iron Maiden. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, it's really crazy because uh, in high school, in the late 90s, I had a friend who was really into metal, like death metal, black metal, thrash metal, everything. And so we'd listen to all this and we went to Ozfest together and it was a blast. And um, so it was kind of like exploring the eighties metal was the first time I really kind of like started to respect it. Cause I was still young at that point. It was started to respect the eighties music. And that was kind of my first acceptance of eighties music. So Manda, anything specific with it? Ed, uh, the metal of the 80s non hair metal but i um, you know some of them are kind of like bridging it like def leppard i mentioned twisted sister those are kind of hair metal but i mean that's just kind of an opinion but any opinions about any of those yeah um i mean i think it's really interesting to see how metal grew up as a genre um to become like all of the different things that it branched out to today um for me i talk about it a lot on the show Um, but I grew up in a guitar household. So I had like three uncles that all played guitar that all riffed on all of the guitar greats that all just kind of mean nothing to me. (laughs) No, they mean something to me. I'm sorry. Um, so in that conversation of great guitarists always comes up metal and metal from the seventies and eighties, because that's when they were, um, you know, kind of in their prime. Um, So the idea that it gets downplayed is kind of lost on me because it's just been a part of, you know, the music that I grew up with, like such a big part of it. Yeah, that's interesting because, again, I pointed out that we kind of had different, we were raised up differently as far as music goes. Um, My family was very much in the country and um, some 80s pop, which was very interesting that I later embraced. Or something like uh, we listen to a lot of um, Fleetwood Mac and stuff like that. Not what you would consider traditional metal. And so, yeah, I was kind of curious about your opinion of that being, especially from the East Coast, whereas I'm from the West Coast, there's a whole different culture there. So I was curious about that. But that makes sense with being in a music family. You know, uh, it makes sense. So, uh, JD, sir, talk to me about the 80s metal scene and your opinions. Do you have three hours? No, we don't. <laughs> cool. I'll run it down. I'll run it down short. That was that was purely a joke. I actually would not do that to anybody. Um, because I I feel like like I'm I like I I still 
present very masked. So I, I, you know, I feel like I would give off that vibe of like the dude yelling in a girl's ear at a party, um, like trying to, exp- trying to mansplain things. So I, I, I tend to like, I try not to do that. Um, but look, metal in the eighties. So metal had, had a wild trajectory throughout the eighties and had, had a wild progression. Um, and it was all about darker, heavier, grimier, nastier, uh, all the way up until getting into the 90s because starting it like when you have through when you're like going throughout the, like the 60s and 70s you have you know like sabbath and led zeppelin starting this idea of dark rock music that uh tips over into you know conversations of death and satanism and uh and, 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 and element and elements of that nature and then you get into a band like chronos uh starting in the in the late 70s which uh they literally have a song called black metal their first album is called black metal and there's later a subgenre by that name and it definitely sounds like it and getting into the 80s you know we have you know, you mentioning all these other, all these bands you, you did, uh, and, 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 and bands that I love. We also have bands like Armored Saint, Testament, Death Angel, uh, 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 uh Exodus, uh, Megadeth, uh, in, uh, Man of War. Bands that are still around to this day, uh, you know, you know, members unfortunately passing away or leaving or leaving due to other obligations. Overkill is another one I love. Um, like Overkill is a band. They've put out nearly 20 albums. They're and they, with the same singer, uh, Bobby Blitz. Shout out to that man. Uh, still, still killing it. And uh, and and then getting deeper and deeper into the 80s, uh, death metal becomes a bigger part. Uh, and there's like also this war between uh, what heavy metal is, like the heavy metal kids, and then punk and then punks. You know, because punks are, you know, because uh, if, especially if you go to New York, you have the Bay Area metal bands, uh, in particular like Anthrax, uh, but you also have the punk scene and you have, you know, bands like the Ramones and then uh, go down to DC and you've got Black Flag and, and, and all these other groups. Uh, oh, you the, have the D, okay, I'm jumping in. The DC music scene is amazing. Think, if, if you're not a music fan, like, like dig into music a bit you don't get the DC music scene and how amazing it is. It's incredible. Go, 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 go is incredible. It's so many bands came from the DC. And the thing is, is they might not be the names that you know, but it's, it's like that, that line, it's your favorite band's favorite band. Yeah. Uh, It's like, yeah. You know, if it weren't for DC, we wouldn't have the Foo Fighters. We wouldn't have Pharrell. Yeah, exactly. You know, because so like, that so just that 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 food for thought there. New York also that's where we get the Beastie Boys. So that so you have that as well. New York like was very important for you. Uh, New York and DC were hugely important for music in the eighties, especially yeah, for pr- especially for music that was going up against the establishment because that's what heavy metal was supposed to be. It was like ki- is it was kids seeing what the, seeing how uh, their parents were fucked up how they themselves were fucked up by their own parents and how society had fucked up, fucked up everyone. So they say, cool, we're giving a middle finger to this, to, to the system and doing what, undoing what we want, how we want and when we want, and we don't give a fuck. And 
Then you go over to death metal and there's like, cool, we're going, we're going to do what, we, what you do, but we're going to do it even darker. And you get bands like Carcass and Death and Morbid Angel and Possessed and Pestilence and Obituary, all these groups. You get into uh, like black metal starts becoming more of a thing over in Norway. And that's a whole other conversation that I'm not going to get into because it's that's so much, <laughs> so much. Uh, and then you have ba- you have um, a particular you have a particular band that had one sound, uh, a, a very 80s sound that going into the 90s um, created essentially their own sound and created the sound of 90s heavy metal. And that's Pantera. Pantera started out as a as a glam metal band um, until Phil Anselmo, who can fuck right off at the moment, uh, he came <laughs> in and uh, was like, hey, we're going to go heavier. And we got Cowboys from Hell. We got Vulgar Display of Power. We got uh, the Great Southern Trend Kill. We got, you know, uh, Far Beyond Driven, all that shit. We also got Sepultura, uh, one of my all-time favorite bands, starting out in Sepultura the 80s. is drastically underrated. They are so fucking incredible uh andreas kisser Soulfly out there even though it is the 90s Soulfly is yes uh very important uh and but like you know uh you know i would say like what what i love about uh sepultura is uh they like their combination of like you know the the american heavy metal sound but combining it with uh you know their you know the instruments and music of you know of their culture and and bridging the two and even though they are 90s records but chaos ad and uh roots are incredibly important records to the metal community uh but going back further like they had a very they, they just had a straight up death metal sound from the beginning and like Death, of course, as they you know, as they progressed into the '90s, were having a, a more experimental uh, song structures uh, on their records. But at the beginning, their first album was sort of scream bloody gore. It was just like, cool, we're just coming in and we're like <laughs> taking the piss out of everything because fuck it. Uh, yeah. And that's 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 the that's the that's the attitude of heavy metal in the '80s. It is fuck it, why not do it? And it's, uh, it's something that people don't even realize is there, but it's way bigger than they could ever expect. Yeah. And like Metallica is probably the best one to like take a look at as the progression of metal throughout the eighties. Cause you look at kill them all. It is, it is like piss and vinegar. Anger is that record uh, kicking off with hit the lights, finishing out with metal metal militia. It and, and throughout the entire album, you are just pissed the fuck off and you're excited about it. You get to ride the lightning and it is, uh, it is gorgeous, and Cliff Burton gets to like let like let he gets to soar on that record, uh, and 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 even more so on Master of Puppets, uh, the masterpiece, because Orion is one of the greatest metal songs of all time, and and there's not one goddamn vocal on it. It's it's an instrumental, and Cliff Burton has one of the greatest solos of all time, and I loved that I get to say that because it's not a guitar solo. We get this incredible yeah. bass solo that <laughs> knocks everything out of the park uh with all due respect to kirk hammett it knocks everything he's ever done out like off the like <laughs> knocks him back onto the bench and then knocks it out of the park and then we lost him and that horrible box and, and uh and 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 metallica had to like decided you know we're going to continue on and regroup and that's when we got injustice for all and you know they fucked over jason newstead on that record uh but and and it sucks uh, and, and, and 
you know, they made up for a little bit with the black album going into the nineties, but like going back to injustice for all, uh, that album was really important, especially because that was the first, that was the first time they recorded a music video. They were, they, they recorded a video for one. Not only that, they bought the, they bought the rights to the film. Johnny got, Johnny got his gun to make that video happen. (laughs) And that shows you how powerful they got by then. And that, and then that shows you the prog- that shows you the progression of going from piss and vinegar anger on, on, uh, made into made whole into an album all the way up to we bought the rights to a movie so we can make a music video. Yeah, I um to kind of wrap up the metal. I do think it's very fun that now we have Stranger Things and they're like, hey, Kate Bush and Metallica, and everybody's like, I love these songs, and I'm like, where were you when I was a child? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, and last thing I want to throw up about about the metal part of it, we talked about Priest uh, and you know uh, the comparison between Iron Maiden and Priest. One has Rob Halford, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but the other has Number of the Beast, and that's all you need to know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, so, no, look, here's the thing. I look, I love both Judas Priest and I love Iron Maiden. I Iron Maiden just has more albums. Iron Maiden just has more albums that I enjoy, but Painkiller is the greatest metal song of all time. Halford is a genius. So, anyways, yes. okay. So, with that being said, what I'd like to do is. Let's just each throw out three recommendations of songs. Maybe people don't know anything about the, the music of the 80s. So we're going to throw out three. And I'll go first to give you guys a second to, to think, because I'm throwing this on at the last second. Um, I got to go with Rio by Duran Duran as a pop pick for me. Uh, and you don't have to do all three categories like I am. I'm just going to, this is how I'm thinking. I got to throw that out there. I love that song. It, it gets me pumped. It's weird because it's not a pump up song, but I get really pumped when I listen to it. Um, as far as like hair metal goes, I actually really like a lot of hair metal and I hate that I do. Um, I have a weird love for High Enough by Damn Yankees, even though it's really cheesy, but I don't think I'm going to make that my pick. Um, You know what? Rocky Like a Hurricane. It's a great song. It's a really great song. That'll be my second pick. And then my final pick, this is one that I think kind of encapsulates everything we've talked about. And I'm glad no one else brought them up because I was holding them in my back pocket. But we're talking about the craziness of the 80s we're talking about the multicultural layers of the 80s we're talking about the underground metal scene of the 80s one of my favorite songs of all time is living color cult of personality yes which was released in the 80s it's i think it sums up the 80s so well in that they are cheesy looking like if you watch the video they're dressed in really bright colors you got that the aspect of the 80s you got this, again, multicultural thing where culture starting to matter. You talk about Sepultura, how that was an important part of it. I think this is also, it's also that protest music you talked about. And it's also just a fucking banger. So that's my last pick would be Living Color Cult of Personality. So um, Amanda, you got three for me? Yeah, I do. Um, so my kind of corner of the 80s that I want to shine a little highlight on is is um, alt alternate pop and um, alt rock and kind of where that whole thing was going at the time. Um, So, I mean, the first thing that I have to call out is the Pixies, of course, super influential. They started in the eighties and just so much built off of the Pixies. 
Um, and the song that I would recommend most from the 80s, 1989, so we're getting to the end of the decade there, but um, Debaser, it has such a cool mm. story behind it, and it's just a really dope song. Um, and I think it kind of highlights the Pixies as well. And then the other kind of band that I always connect with the 80s is They Might Be Giants. So alt-pop, just kind of their own thing, um, two very talented dudes. So the 80s is when Anna Ang came out, A-N-A-N-G, and that's like their most bobbin song, in my opinion. Um, And I don't have a third song picked, I lied. (laughs) I I will give Manda's third one for her because I know her this well. Um, (laughs) To embrace the idea of, yes, it's cheesy, but I like it anyways, Manda's third song is Red Red Wine by UB40. Was that the eighties? <laughs> UB forty was the eighties. I assume that song was. So, if not, find a song by UB forty in the eighties and put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so, JD, three songs go. Uh, so I mentioned earlier how "Hunting High and Low" by Aha is one of my ten favorite albums of all time, and the way it became one of my favorite albums is I listened. I had heard other songs outside of "Take on Me" before listening to the album. I heard. Um, the sun, the sun always shines on TV was a big one uh, that I heard. Uh, Living a Boy's Adventure Tale is great. But when I first listened to the album, I got to the third song on the album, the title track, Hunting High and Low. And it's it's gorgeous. I got goosebumps the first time I heard it. Um, and I, I, I every time I go back and listen to that album, I always look forward to, you know, like, cool, we got Take On Me. We got Train of Thought. That's a fun song. But then we get to that, that third song. We get to that ballad. I'm just like... I feel like I just ran 10 miles uh, because of how, you know, like breathtaking this thing is. Uh, It's a really, really wonderful song. Um, Going into the hair metal of it all. I mentioned winger. I love winger. They're wild. Uh, I got to I got to go with the first song I ever heard. The opening of their self-titled album, Madeleine, which has an incredible acoustic guitar opener and also one of the few one of the one of the great bands to have a uh, a bassist frontman who rips it on that song and on every song honestly uh but yeah madeline fucking rules um now the last song so i'm tr- i'm actually going through like uh, a list of songs that i have and uh here's this is an interesting one because this is a band i didn't mention but um i love motorhead and uh lemmy actually uh discovered this wonderful all-girl metal band in the 80s and really championed them and and made sure that like they got on the map and they're called girl school one word they fucking rule and uh they put an album out called screaming blue murder and uh the title track off that record just everything i love like everything i love about like mid 80s heavy metal because it's like it, it, it doesn't have that, you know, once again, using the term piss and vinegar, it doesn't have that hatred that like a lot of heavy metal, like a lot of thrash and speed metal had in that era. Um, it, it, it reminds me a lot of of Motorhead, but, you know, f- just from like that style of metal, uh, but from a, a feminine perspective. And it's it's really fantastic. All right, so that's what we think about the idea that the 80s are the worst decade for music. Do you agree? 
make sure to let us know what you think. Amanda, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter, which, whatever, I'm calling it Twitter. We all know it's Twitter. I refuse um, to say it. <laughs> <laughs> at Mandaladon. And that's that's all. <laughs> cool. JD. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, there is, it, it is some form of like JD Martin with two underscores in there somewhere. I forget the two of them, uh, but, there, but I'm there on Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to check me out, uh, my podcasts, comics quest and people's and reflections are still up. Uh, we haven't done anything new for a long time because life gets in the way, uh, but they still exist. You can still check out those episodes. And on top of that, if you live in the central Texas area, um, I I work at a comic book shop called Geek Out in Burleson. Uh, we have a second location out in Mansfield. Check us out. Come talk to me about comics, please. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I really want you guys to come back soon because I want to guest star in Fables and Reflections because uh, that's straight up my alley. But we'll move on from there. Um, make sure to find us on Twitter. So you can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. Uh, you can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and you can find our normal host, Hostway, at Hostway Reads Hostway. Um, Pokemon there. Send him a random message. Don't explain it. Just say something random and see how he reacts. Uh, he'll have to listen to the show to find out what's going on. Actually, um, no. Also, Here, here's a way. Here's a way to like oh, say, say like mean. to know that you that you listen to this episode. Uh, text him bloop. Text him the word bloop. That's how we'll know that you listen to this episode. <laughs> Or ask him, ask him his favorite '80s metal band. There you go. That's what'll get. There, that that's more topical. Think, yeah. Uh, this is there's a reason why I'm not out, on the show. Out of nowhere, don't don't explain it. Just ask him. <laughs> so, uh, so you can also follow the show itself on Twitter at Jukebox Vertigo. It's the best place to follow us. You'll get an announcement whenever a new episode comes out. And we'd like to reblog a lot of music news and stuff. So it's a really great place to check us out. Also, we are part of the Certain POV Network, a proud part of the Certain POV Network. So make sure to check out Certain POV at Certain POV Media. You can also find it on the website, certainpov.com. And I cannot stress this enough, people. Join the Discord. The Discord is so much fun. It's open to all as long as you're not an asshole. And we have great conversations about music, books, movies, games, television shows. We talk about D&D. We talk about everything. It's so much fun. And you might discover your next favorite podcast on there. So once again, go to either the the Twitter, which is CertainPV Media, or CertainPV.com. The link to the Discord is there. And you can go ahead and check it out. That being said, that is the end of the first episode of Jukebox Vertigo on tour. Thank you so much for joining us. The next episode to look forward to, because it's going to be a monthly show, is going to be about music based around a certain holiday that's coming up and our opinions on it. So I'll let that sit for you. With that said, once again, thanks for joining us and feel the vertigo. CPOV. CertainPOV.com. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry. 
registration and more we'd be delighted for you to join us every other monday on the certain pov podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts fresh and tasty off the presses what that's no that's not can i call them screen beans now fine screen beans so tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere Cause you're a whole screen beans now. You will be mine. Oh.